0: Clay asked me to preach today in this series of sermons from the New Testament letter of James, and he told me where he was in chapter 4. I immediately said, absolutely, I'd be glad to preach this Sunday because the next passage in James, James 4, verses 13 to 17, that contains one of my favorite verses of Scripture. In particular, I'm talking about verse 414, where James asks, What is your life? The length of your life is as uncertain as the morning mist. Now you see it. Soon it is gone. That verse of scripture first came to my attention when I was a young minister. And I was watching a movie called A Man Called Peter. It was a movie about the life of Peter Marshall a young minister, about his uh, struggles to begin his ministry and to build his churches. And Peter Marshall eventually uh, ended up in Washington, D.C. as the minister of the historic New York Avenue Presbyterian Church and also was chaplain to the United States Senate. But on December the 7th, 1941, he was asked to come to Annapolis and to preach to the midshipmen, the cadets at the United States Naval Academy, he had a sermon all set to go, his scripture picked out. But when he got to the the academy and he looked out over the vast auditorium and the faces of the young men sitting there, something inside of him said he needed to change his message and even change his scripture. And so he selected James four fourteen which says, what is your life? The length of your life is as uncertain as the morning mist." And he preached to those naval cadets. As he was leaving Annapolis and driving back to Washington, D.C., he heard over the radio that the Japanese had just bombed Pearl Harbor. And he knew immediately that many of those young men he had just spoken to would not live much longer as the United States entered World War II. If you've ever been a hunter or a fisherman and you've gone out early in the morning, just before or right after the the sun comes up, you know that there can be a mist or a fog cloud that hovers over any lake or, or pond or body of water it only lasts a short time before the sun gets high enough and hot enough to burn it off. And even here in Nashville on those mornings when we have an early morning fog, you can see that same thing, that mist or fog, hovering over a grassy yard or or a field while the dew is still on the grass and the air temperature is cooler than the ground temperature. But it only lasts a short time before the sun rises and burns it off. So James is saying about our lives. We are like that morning mist or fog. We only last a short time. Now we are here, soon we are gone. And those of us who are older realize that the longer we live, the faster it goes kind of like a roll of toilet paper. You know how that goes faster and faster the closer you get to the end of the roll. Parents know this. One minute they're coming home from the hospital with that beautiful little baby. And then before they know it, that little baby is six months old and then six years old, then 16 years old and gone. Ann and I know that because like many of you, we've made plans for tomorrow. And and James says, how do you know about tomorrow? How can you make plans for tomorrow? Because you don't know what tomorrow will bring. You don't know what's coming next. We had plans, our family had plans in late June in another week or so. We rented a house down in Florida and we were gonna have all of the family from Oklahoma and Tennessee get together for a week at the beach. But those plans were canceled when the coronavirus suddenly showed up. Ann and I also have plans this fall in October to go with some friends of ours to one of our favorite places, Maine, Vermont, New Hampshire, to see the colorful leaves in the autumn, to see the covered bridges, to see Ben and Jerry's ice cream where it comes from, We had our plane reservations. We have our reservations in different bed and breakfasts in all three states. But now we're in the process of canceling all that because of this coronavirus. We didn't know what was coming. Who knows what comes next? We don't even know when we'll get back to church again like we used to do. We don't even know when this virus might end or if there'll be a second wave or if there'll ever be a vaccine for it. Who knows what's next in your life? I thought I was always gonna live out my life in Memphis, Tennessee, but look where I am now and have been for 12 years. And believe me, my life is better than ever here in Nashville. James says, only if the Lord wills it, Can you say, tomorrow I will go to such and such a place and do such and such a thing? But when the Lord wills it, you know it's always going to be good, and I'll say from personal experience, much better than the plans that we make. In light of this truth that James calls to our attention about the shortness and uncertainty of life, the most important thing that we can do is to live every day we have to the very best that we possibly can. But do we do that? Are you doing that? Are you living every day of your life to the best of your ability? How do we make the best of life right now? How do you find that fullness of life or abundant life that Jesus spoke of when he said, I have come that you might have life and have it in all its fullness. I can tell you one thing for sure. There are certain ways in which we can guarantee that we will not live life to the fullest. A preacher friend of mine once described a woman that he knew who didn't find fullness of life because she always wanted to play it safe. In fact, he called her Gwendolyn play it safe. She never went for a walk in the warm spring rain because she was afraid of catching a cold. She never got married because she didn't want to risk getting into an unhappy marriage. She never wanted children for fear that her children might be plagued by illness or might grow up to be an embarrassment or a disappointment. She never wanted to make close friendships for fear of losing them. She never hurt another person, but then neither could anyone ever remember her helping another person for fear of getting involved. She never went to church lest they ask for money. She never went on vacation to to unfamiliar places because unfamiliar places made her uncomfortable. She never owned a pet because pets are messy and burdensome. Yes, Gwendolyn, play it safe, existed in this world for 80 years before she died, but she never really lived. And I hope that could never be said of anyone who is listening to this message right now. An anonymous poet once wrote, There are a number of us who creep into this world to eat and sleep and know no reason why they are born, but merely to consume the corn, devour the cattle, fowl and fish, and leave behind an empty dish. I guarantee you that no one who ever lived like that had any idea of what Jesus meant by the fullness of life. I've always found it personally challenging as well as inspiring to hear what people 95 years old and older have to say when they're asked the question, what would you do differently if you could live your life over again? The three most frequent answers given are these. Number one, I would risk more. I would take more chances, risk mistakes. Number two, I would relax more, observe the Sabbath. Number three, I would do more things that will live on after I am gone. When popular columnist Erma Bombeck was asked the same question, what would she do differently if she had her life to live over again? She responded by saying, I would invite friends over to dinner, even if the carpet was stained and the sofa faded. I would eat popcorn in the good living room and worry less about dirt when you lit the furnace. I would burn the pink candle sculptured like a rose before it melted in the storeroom. I would sit cross-legged on the lawn with my children and not worry about grass stains. Since, as James says... Our lives are like the morning mist. Now you see them. Soon they are gone. And who knows what's coming next? The question is, how then should we live these years that we have on earth, whether we have many years or maybe not so many? We might begin in answering that question by looking at the three most important questions that help us answer that. Number one, is the question, who am I? Number two, why am I here? And number three, where am I going? If you can answer those three questions and know the right answers, then you can answer the question, how then should we live? Ralph Waldo Emerson once answered the question, how should we live? When he said, The purpose of life is not to be happy. It is to be useful, to be honorable, to be compassionate, to have it make some difference that you lived and lived well. Of course, Jesus and Christianity have always said clearly that the purpose of life is to love and serve God. And you serve God when you love your neighbor as yourself. So let me end this morning, as we talk about the meaning of life and the shortness and uncertainty of life. Let me end with a little poem. Some of you may have heard before, but it's by a woman named Linda Ellis, and the poem is entitled, The Dash. She says, I read of a man who stood to speak at the funeral of a friend. He referred to the dates on her tombstone from the beginning to the end, he noted that first came the date of her birth and spoke of the following date with tears. But he said what mattered most of all was that dash between the years. For that dash represents all the time that she spent alive on earth. And now only those who loved her know what that little line is worth. For it matters not how much we own the cars, the house, the cash. What matters is how we live and move and how we spend our dash. So think about this long and hard. Are there things you'd like to change? For you never know how much time is left. You could be at dash mid-range. If we could just slow down enough to consider what's true and real, and always try to understand how other people feel and be less quick to anger and show appreciation more and love the people in our lives like we've never loved before. If we treat each other with respect and more often wear a smile, remembering that this special dash might only last a little while. So when your eulogy's being read, with your life's actions to rehash, will you be proud of the things they say about how you spend your dash? Amen.